In this episode of Beyond Barriers, we will be talking with a survivor of the Canadian 60 Scoop. The 60 Scoop is a catch-all name for a series of policies that were enacted by the Canadian Child Welfare Authorities starting in the mid-1950s. This saw thousands of Indigenous children taken from their homes and families. They were placed in foster homes and eventually adopted out to families from across Canada and the United States. These children lost their names, their languages, and a connection to their heritage. Sadly, many were also abused and made to feel ashamed of who they were. Due to the sensitive nature of this topic, we have altered the video image to protect the survivor's identity. The following content may contain elements that are not suitable for some audiences, so viewer discretion is advised. All right. On this episode of Beyond Barriers, we have uh, Lost Sue that will be joining us, and he will be uh, letting us know and informing us more about the 60 Scoop that um, I know, at least myself, I had never even heard of um, up until more recently. And um, thanks for joining us, Sue. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So, Sue, why don't you tell us a little bit about what exactly is or was the 60s grab or the 60s scoop, as they have called it? Well, this um, the 60s scoop, as it's, as it's nicknamed, um, was a policy enacted by the, uh, by the Canadian government um, after residential schools they found were not um, publicly acceptable anymore after the... Um, information started to leak out about all the atrocities that happened in residential schools mm. so what it is is they would come um it was basically actually called in the government pro in the government program naming um kill the indian save the child program where it was imperative under any means and, and, and any cost to remove an indian an indigenous child from their family and put them into a foster home and um, in hopes of selling them off to non-Indigenous people to ensure um, that we became civilized um, and became a part of a culture and a society that wasn't ours. Wow. So we had to give up everything. You like literally, they figured out, well, okay, if we get them as a little child, then we can take away every little bit of aspect of their identity and who they are. If we immerse them into a non-Indigenous family, then we can completely strip them of everything. Wow. So that's the, um, that's the core agenda and still is the core agenda to this day. Wow. So, so lost, are you saying that this policy is still continuing to this day then? Yes, sir, it is. It, even still today, child, um, the majority of the children in child welfare up here in Canada called CFS, Child Welfare, or Child Protection Agency, um, the population within that is still the majority of Indigenous children. Now, in the same token, um, in the poorest province in Canada, a child in, in care gets... $46,000 per child per year in the poorest province. 
So they basically made a huge money-making business out of it. So, yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. So it sounds like what they're encouraging is for for to take the children into this into these uh, situations to to make money then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, most foster homes have anywhere from four to six kids at any given time. So that's 46 in the poorest province. That would be forty six thousand dollars per year per child. So times that by either four or six or around that. Wow. And that's how much they make off of that. Our, our, our children, I should say. Wow. Now. And in the same token. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. It's really interesting. In the, in the same token, the federal government permits it because it removes. Um, they sell off our status they completely strip us of our identity so now there's less native people in canada according to their stats to say anything about the stolen lands and everything else that's going on um smaller money that they have to give to reservations um they can start to try and reduce the reservation lands so that they can gain more profit off of our lands. Um, a lot of the reserves in Canada still don't have clean running water. And the housing standard that you're used to living in doesn't exist on the reserve. It's substandard housing. Wow. So we look at it and we keep trying to fight it and saying, well, okay, if you're willing to give somebody, a stranger, $46,000 a year per child, why don't you give it to us and our families so that we can move out of poverty level? Because most Indigenous families that live on a reserve only get about two to three hundred dollars a month to live off of. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. So they would give forty six thousand dollars for a complete stranger to raise the child. But for the families, they're only giving a couple hundred. Yeah. Could you uh, speak to us about, if you don't mind, I don't know if it's, if, if you, if you want to talk about it or not, but how old were you when, when, uh, when you got put into this program? Oh, we're getting deep into the darkness. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was three months old when they stole me away from my mom. Um, my grandma had passed away when I was a month old and my mom was going through grieving. Um, CFS came and tried to help my mom through that at first with having like home care ladies coming in and helping and stuff like that. Um, then the worker just decided, oh no, 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 here, give us your child until you get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Till you get over your morning, give us your child. My mom did sign a piece of paper um, to put me in foster care temporarily until she, until she had got over her morning was, and was able to look after me. 
Um, the social worker turned around and just decided, no, we're going to adopt them out. Wow. Now, when did you realize that all of this was going was on? Native? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, through most of my childhood, I realized I didn't belong where I was. I didn't fit in. Um, the adopted family that did end up adopting me, um, like, so I, I got, there's a little more context. Mm -hmm. When I was in the foster care system and in a foster home, they took such poor care of me that I ended up catching severe pneumonia that completely destroyed my lungs as an infant. So, um, due to this um, important need to remove me from my mother and my Indian heritage and turn me into, um, pardon the language, a white person, um, it was more important that happened than realizing that they just screwed me over for the rest of my life. Wow. Um, and left me disabled for the rest of my life. Um, they changed my name in the court system. So when my, when the adopt, the people that adopted me were the CFS still had to take them to court, right? So the judge would rule, yeah, okay, it's acceptable for you to adopt this child. Mm -hmm. They changed my whole entire name around so that my family and my mom could not see it on a court dockets mm -hmm. to come in and have contest it. Um, with that adopted family, um, they were Norwegian Vikings, which is why I can easily make comments about Viking heritage. Um, unfortunately, um, the adopted father was a retired RCMP officer and the adopted mother was a legal secretary. Um, I don't know, where were we at in the questioning? Like how you became aware that you were native and indigenous, um, even though you were adopted. I wasn't made aware of it until I was like uh, 19 years old and in jail. Mm. Um, I was serving a two year less a day sentence for armed robbery. And uh, the adopted mom showed up and said, I'm just so sick and tired of you. Uh, you're not even my child anyways. You're just an Indian. So I don't know why I bother come seeing you. And she left. Wow. Unbelievable. And so then it was like, how do I put this? It was like waking up from a nightmare. Mm. Um, realizing that even though I had an inclination that I didn't belong with these people or their way of life, um, it was still like waking up to a nightmare in, in, in the factor that, oh my God, okay. Whew, um, whoa, um, okay, I'm not related to them by blood at all. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> delving into that, at four years old, oh, sorry, Jeff, if you wanna ask, go ahead. No, no, I'm listening. Uh, it, this is just, it's absolutely um, shocking. I mean, I, I can imagine sitting, you're sitting there in jail 
And now all of a sudden you, you hear all of that all at once. Well, you're, you're already in a bad, you're in a bad place already. And then you hear that. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine. I, I, I guess I would just say like, how did that, how did that hit you emotionally? At that time, I didn't have any emotions. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll dip into a little further. Okay. Um, at four years old, they started beating the shit out of me. For any little thing possible. They would strip me nude and lock me in a closet for hours every day. Mm. Um, I was sexually molested um, at the age of seven till the age of 10. Um, yeah, they really went all out on me. Um, so for me, when I heard that, it was like I said, right, waking up from a nightmare, you know. Um, but because I was treated such, how do I put it, worse than you would treat an animal when the animal is doing something wrong. Right? Right. Or, or, yeah, basically I was treated like I wasn't even a human being. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, I literally felt like an alien in everything. Um, so it, it was very hard for me. Um, at 13, I finally decided to stand up and put an end to it. Um, the both adopted parents had, had walked me into a corner, um, beating me over spilt orange juice because the area that I mopped up where the orange juice was spilt um, had, uh, I guess they had walked on it with their slippers and they didn't wash off their slippers and they were still feeling the stickiness on the floor. So. Mm. They started beating the shit out of me because I needed to mop it all up. And I'm going, no, fuck you. You know, heard my language. <laughs> but I'm going like, you know, no, like, F you. Um, it's your fault and your reasoning why the floor is sticky because you didn't wash your slippers. Not my problem. You deal with it, which is common sense, right? So they started beating me with a belt and a yardstick. You know, those old sewing yardsticks? Mm -hmm. um, they started beating me into into where the knife corner was, and I ended up pulling out two knives and throwing them up against the wall, holding the knives to their throats, and told them if they ever touched me again, I was going to kill them. Wow. Um, I ended up not realizing where the hell I could go as I left the, as I left their house and sitting on the side of the house, and then eventually the cops showed up and told me, "Oh yeah, come on in," you know. We'll talk about it, you know, come on, come on, we'll talk about it. We'll get this all sorted out. Well, no, that didn't happen. Um, I ended up doing five years for defending myself and putting an end to abuse. Even though I told the psychologist, because um, in Canada, any child that um, has any violent uh, actions, so to speak, um, 
has to see a psychologist. They make that mandatory. They, they, ha they have to see a psych report. Um, even though I told the psych psychologist all this that was going on, he got up on the stand and just said, no, uh, he's just a problem child. So I literally spent five years of my life, of my teenage life, locked up till I was 18, um, while they got to enjoy the freedom of being so-called a good Canadian Christian, <laughs> you know? Um, so I was already, by that time, when I found out, I was already dead inside. Um, after I found out, I started getting into more of my native culture and started learning about it. Um, I have to honestly say, if it wasn't for my native culture, I would probably be locked up indefinitely in jail, or I would have committed suicide or been murdered, one of the three. Um, because at nine years old, I used to run away a lot and I ended up joining a gang in, 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 in Manitoba. Um, yeah, at nine years old, joining a gang. <laughs> so, um, I think for me though, the gang life was a family that I didn't find at home. That was the main reasoning. Some people that, you know, people around my own age um, that I can relate to that have either, you know, come from broken homes or similar situations. Um, and, you know, that camaraderie and that bond, that bond, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> as, I, as I got older, um, I started getting into the biker lifestyle. <laughs> apparently, after I met my mom, apparently, um, well, no, um, it's not an apparently, it's a, it's a reality. Um, my mom fell in love with a biker from British Columbia. And as a result, ended up having me. Uh, my dad still to this day says he doesn't want anything to do with a dirty, filthy, rotten Indian yet he's part native himself. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's quite, it's quite crazy. Um, in my early twenties, um, I sat in the first, um, when they were having talks about residential schools, um, I sat in British Columbia in one of their conferences they had about residential schools, and I was one of the very first people to step forward about the 60s group. Now, if you could explain what uh, residential schools is something that I'm not familiar with is now, is that what they, what is, what is basically, that? Basically, a residential school was, um, give us your children, we're going to teach them how to live in this world that is now ours, which isn't, but um, where they would take them, cut off their hair, um, beat them if they spoke their language, um, and teach them, you know, normal, um, how do I put it, um, colonialization schooling, like from England and, you know, European schooling stuff. So is it specifically, is there, these are specifically schools for 
children of, of Indian descent or these are? Yeah, yeah, these are, these are specific schools for, for native children where priests and nuns were running them. Hmm. Where the priests and nuns would not only beat the shit out of them and stuff like that, um, they would feed them um, toothpaste mixed with oatmeal. They would rape them. There has been found um, in some of the old um, boarding schools where the furnaces were in the basement were found bones of dead children. Wow. It sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> well, it, it was, <laughs> right? This was all in the attempt to, you know, civilize us, us savage Indians. <laughs> right? Sadly, um, sadly, that system relatively still exists. Like in Canada here, you hear them talk about, oh, well, you know, they don't pay taxes. Well, no, we do pay taxes. We may get gas and cigarettes without tax but we still pay taxes when we buy groceries, when we buy other things, when we pay for, you know, um, cable and whatnot, we're still paying taxes. So the philosophy that they cl people claim of, um, we don't pay taxes, so what the fuck do they, or what the F do they have to, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Um, so what the F do they have to complain about? Well, no, we do pay taxes. You know what I mean? It's like, it, that's a fallacy to think that, oh, just because we don't pay cigarette tax or, or gas tax, that we're still not paying taxes. We're still paying taxes. Mm -hmm. Capitalism hasn't, hasn't allowed us to be completely free of their, of their grasp. <laughs> right. Well, what I find so, so um, disturbing about this is, is it seems to be, and, and correct me if I'm wrong or jump in at any time here, because I'm trying to, uh, wrap my hat around this and and um your story is just horrific it's just absolutely incredible that these things would go on in our lifetimes you know this is the kind of stuff that you think you'd hear about from hundreds of years ago in some archaic uh, you know medieval torture chamber somewhere you know and here you know this is something that you've lived through and and it seems to be and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems to be all about, um, you know, wiping out the culture. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a person being proud of their culture, no matter what it is, whether you're yeah. uh, indigenous, white, black, Asian, whatever, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. So what do you, uh, what do you believe is the, is the construct or the reason behind this, um, this, this, um, this tragic, uh, policy the policy was set up to ensure that um the colonial capitalisms that came over from england and europe um could maintain and keep control over north america and south america and milk it for everything it's worth we don't even see a portion we we only see a small portion of the wealth that's accumulated from um from the lands and and that's everybody whether you wouldn't doesn't matter what nationality you are 
Anyone that lives in the United States or Canada only sees a small portion of that. Mm. While a small few people see a majority of that portion. And that would also include the governments. And you were you were explaining, and I, I know I cut you off because I, for the American viewers, you know, this residential schools, and I'm glad I asked because I had no idea. I, I was assuming it was just a regular school until you explained. No, it's, no, it's no, obviously, no. clearly not. No, but, um, it was literally meant to strip you of everything that you are, and indoctrinate indoctrinate you and brainwash you into believing that you're not who you are. So, um, okay, let me, let me ask you this, Jeff. What's your nationality? I'm German. And I don't mean white. You're German? German and Dutch. German and Dutch. Yeah. German and Dutch. Mm -hmm. Okay, that would be like me going over to Germany or Dutch, stripping you of everything, telling you that you're not German or Dutch, but you're, in, but you're, in Indonesian, but you're, in, you're a native person. No, I, I, I completely understand it. And it's, and it's absolutely wrong. And it's, it, it should be criminal. It should be criminal. And then, yeah. And then in the same token, um, the United States is even worse in that aspect because they go by blood quantum. Meaning the percentage amount of blood you have is whether or not you're an Indian. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm aware of that because I grew up I grew up near an Indian reservation and, and yeah. um, I think to I believe to live out there um, you had to have, you have a, to be a certain percentage. 51, it's 51% and higher. Anything lower, like in 50 and lower, you don't. Wow. Um, there's only three things on this planet that go by blood quantum. Dogs, horses, and indigenous people. Whoa. Yeah, and I never thought about that until you had mentioned that to me before I lost. Like, that's... Yeah. That's a lot to wrap your head around. Well, you know what? You don't have to have yeah. a blood quantum. Sorry, you don't have to have a blood quantum to claim that you're you're German and Dutch. Right. No, it reminded me of the of the Nazi Party in Germany because they yeah. did that with the with the Jewish people. You know, if you were less than one eighth. Dude, I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna rack your head for a moment. Hitler took the same thing that was done over here and did it to the Jews. That's but what Hitler sounds even like. stated. He Hitler even stated to the extent and extremity that they have done this over there in North America to the indigenous people. I cannot subscribe to that's just too much. Wow. But the whole concept and idea of Hitler and his genocide of the Jewish people was based on what was done here to us indigenous people in North America. Wow. That's incredible. That's wow. It's That's insane, all I can say. It is. Insane, yes. Yes. So when you like when your mom came and saw you, you found out that you were a native and all of that um how were you then to be able like you said you your biological father like wants nothing to do with you to this day 
Were you yeah, able to get real contact mom, with your real mom? Yeah, yeah I, I still am. I'm, I'm like on the phone every other day with my real mom. Um, it's it's kind of funny because my mom went through a lot of different stuff in residential school as well. Mm. Um, this is a, a continuation of a constant genocide. Um, two of my kids were also done the same way. Um, my second oldest daughter I ended up going to court and I was charged with treason like for speaking out about the 60 scoop and bringing that to light. Wow. I was told if I ever come before any court ever again in Canada under any criminal offense whatsoever, it could be even a jaywalking ticket, that I would be looking at spending the rest of my life indefinitely behind bars. For speaking out. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. That's how much they wanted to keep it a secret. Especially when your world, when the world views you as like these, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Polite, politically correct. Um, so helpful, so <laughs> generous, so kind always apologizing for every little thing, even if we don't need to. That's a hard wake up call to a reality. And they didn't want, they didn't want um, the, the world to see them in that light. Yet the United, the United Nations um, Tribunal um, came and did an investigation. And there's 10 boxes or 10 things um, or 10, 10 sections that constitute for um, genocide. Canada has all 10 of them checked. And this, this is stuff we don't hear about. I mean, this is, this is staggering. You know, it's kind of funny because we, have a, we had a politician here. Um, that was running for the Conservative Party um, when the prime, current Prime Minister was, was running as well for the Liberal Party. Um, when that was brought out, his words were, no, 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 it's not genocide. It's something, but it's not genocide. We just got to find another word for it. It's like, dude, you've been shown under 10 checkboxes and that's that's the whole entire world saying these 10 things constitute genocide. These 10 acts are constitution constitutionalized genocide and Canada scored all 10. Wow. We still have murdered and missing indigenous women and girls. Um, we still have men too and, and young boys that are murdered and missing. Um, our children are still being stolen and placed into foster homes and then sold to whoever or done whatever so that they can still keep that um, self-protecting ecosystem called, called uh, child welfare or child and family services 
and the foster home going. When Trudeau sat back and offered up a plan to remove child and family services and the foster care system from ever having anything to do with Indigenous children, they all sat back and went, no, 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 no. That's going to take years, years of debating and talking and, 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 and discussions. And, you know, it's going to take years to figure out how we can do that because we just can't give them back. So are there any prominent, um, and excuse our ignorance on this, um, but are there any prominent uh, lawyers or, or anything like that that are, that are fighting this on behalf of the tribal? Uh, tribal uh, right, now as it stands, right now as it stands, this is what it looks like. With the 60 scoop and, and, and Canada giving the settlement to the 60 scoop, to, to us survivors. Um, the survivors are looking at $25,000. The four lawyer firms that Canada has decided, or the Supreme Court of Canada has decided to be able to, to be the only lawyer firms for these things, for this, this court case, gets $400 million each. So they're getting rich. We're not. So most people can't even. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. So most people, because when they stole us from our families, they stripped us of our status, which means we don't get free education. So we have to pay just like everybody else, right? $25,000 does not cover even, it just puts a little dent in what your tuition fee is for your schooling. Um, if you have any outstanding bills, whatever, it doesn't do very much. You, we all know 25 grand just doesn't do as much as we would think it used to, right? Right. Just doesn't stretch. And that's what we were left with. Now, the only thing I did agree with was out of that whole entire settlement, which were, uh, there's like tons of us still waiting on it because of the COVID hitting the government going, oh, well, we, you know, we got to shut down. <laughs> Oops, sorry, we're going to put you through poverty through this whole entire moment. <clears throat> so the only thing Canada did do um, or, or put as part of it was that they were going to set up uh, a specific healing center in every major city in Canada um, to help and be open and available to those of us that are 60 Shoop survivors. Wow. That was the only thing that I agreed upon. Or Do you have with. any idea how many, like a number, even maybe not an actual, you know, solid number? Well, Do you have any they, idea? They, I think they said something like <clears throat> 2,500 was what the Supreme Court of Canada originally first was saying that was the acceptable amount of number? No, I mean, um, how many, I meant, I meant how many children were taken? Were way taken? over that. Thousands. In the double digits of thousands. Wow. And they're still doing it to this day. Now, you have 
we have some people who manage to what we call the lucky ones that managed to get into a good home that that really took good care of him or them. Um, most of us didn't. And we're still struggling with decolonization. Removing what was brainwashed and, and beaten into us to get back to who we are. Mm. Something that everybody else in North America takes for granted. as just a given. This is who you are. That's who we are. It is what it is. Even if you were put into a foster home, they still permitted you to be your nationality. Or you were adopted out, they still made sure that you had a part of your heritage still. That they wouldn't strip you of that. But they do that to us. Wow. That's what we live with still to this day. Now, I know you mentioned also about how um, there's still, I mean, obviously there's still, it's still happening, but yeah. um, one of the big things I know that you'd mentioned before was about how there is a large number of indigenous women and girls that are either being taken or um, being murdered and all of that now. Um, there's also a large amount of native indigenous women and girls that are being euthanized. Mm. That means they're literally doing a procedure, a surgical procedure without consent to completely make sure that they cannot reproduce. Ster sterilized, you mean? Sterilization. Sterilized. Yep. Yes. Wow. They still do this. They that's do it to boys too. That's definitely a genocide. Uh, that's got to be on that marker uh, that you yeah. were talking about a, a minute ago. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> the the law enforcement does not want to do anything to help find the missing Indigenous women and girls. They don't. Um, we have inclinations that it quite possibly may be some law enforcement involvement in that. But we'll never know so long as the current uh, colonial capitalistic government has holds all the keys to every all the information. Um, in down in your territory, down in the states, down in South Dakota, um, while Wounded Knee was going on, another group of indigenous people went and broke into the BIA office and gathered up all the documentation within there. And they want it in court, showing, look, this is what they're doing to remove people off the list of being Indigenous. Refusing, specifically refusing them, even though they are entitled to it, specifically refusing them because they have to reduce the amount of numbers that are on the list. See, and these are the things that we don't hear about today, even with the current social and economical oh. climate and everything else, these are the things that get forgotten. I know at least for me as an American, like, you know, growing up, you, 
the history that we're taught in school, I've be started to learn, isn't always exactly the full story <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah, they don't, um, teach you, they don't teach you proper education in schools. <laughs> and so it's like these things that like, because it doesn't happen to me or mm -hmm. somebody that I know personally, yeah. it's easy to turn a blind eye to it. And I know that's one thing that, you know, Jeff and I are trying to bring light to with so many different things. But the fact that there's a lot more going on than what people know, that's one of the reasons, you know, we had talked about it and wanted to have you on here because this is a very important thing, you know, that people need to know is going on and that people need to at least be aware of because if nobody's aware of it, it'll keep happening. And exactly. it's, we're human. We're all humans. I don't care what nationality, ethnic, whatever. It's not okay to have the dehumanization and the genocides and everything that's going on. See, in, in Canada, a lot of us indigenous people here in Canada um, call child welfare, the, the, the um, um, black market uh, child sex slave ring. Mm. Because they come into your home, steal your children, or your children could be out playing and they come along and steal them and just walk away with them. You have no idea where they are, where they've gone. Then the foster homes that they put them into beat them and rape them and use them as slaves. And a lot of the adopted people that adopt them, there's quite a large number of those two that do the same thing. So it's like, oh, here, let me buy an Indian child that I can, that, that's a little child that I can molest and get my perverted pedo fetishes out. Because it's just an Indian, so who gives a shit, right? It goes back to the dehumanization of, you know, because yeah. you're not yeah. like me, and, then you don't matter, and it's okay. That's that's horrible. And I try to my best to enlighten people as much as I possibly can. Um, being that I'm a light-skinned native, um, I can usually find that I can get into into places where most of my dark skin relatives can't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, on one hand, it's a blessing. On the other hand, it's a curse. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's incredibly lost. It's incredibly brave to speak out on on these sorts of things and and to to you know we hope you know, on our small platform, we can amplify you in some way, you know, to bring attention to these things, because these, these things, these things have to stop. It's not appropriate. It's not appropriate in this day and age. It's, um, that's the understatement of the year right there. But, uh, you know, these, these kind of things shouldn't be happening to people. And, um, I wonder, um, you've connected with, uh, other, other people that have went through, through trauma like this as well as, as, as that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I personally don't subscribe to Facebook. Uh, my personal opinion is that, um, I don't believe law enforcement should be given the right to snoop into my business, even though I'm not committing any criminal acts, I still should have a right to privacy. Um, some people might go, Oh, that's old news, but I still believe in that right to my own privacy. 
Um, but there is a lot of 60 scoop groups on Facebook. So for anyone maybe watching this program um, that it has endured what I have or some of what I have, um, please search out these groups in Facebook um, and find your home. It's time to come home. Um, don't expect everything to go smoothly when you come home because I'll use my example. My uh, second oldest daughter who just um, last year I finally got to um, get in contact with. Um, we have a hard time communicating with each other because we were stripped of that connection. Um, so, but keep at it. Don't give up. Um, whatever you do, don't commit suicide. But find out who you are first. Yeah. Get to know yourself because get to know who you are, where you come from, your people, your culture, your spiritual way of life. It's not like these Christians say, where, oh, you know, oh, oh my God, native spirituality, oh, that's devil worship. That's not true. Our people didn't have a widespread case of religious people raping children, unlike some religious sectors. <laughs> no names mentioned. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> we, we don't want to get into too much religious controversy right. on this program, but uh, no, I mean... Yeah. It is, it is important. I agree with you that it is very important, I think, to, to reconnect with the with the culture. And, and uh, is there programs or is there is there uh, besides these uh, Facebook groups is how in, in so these most most cities, most major cities have like, uh, well, up in Canada anyways, have like what they call in, in Indian friendship centers or native friendship centers that you can go in and, and get into or you know, find the start of that direction that way. Um, some places that don't have them, uh, there are usually little, um, like down in the States, there's like little native shops. Mm -hmm. You can go and start talking to them. Because it is time where people came home. What about the cases where the, like, like in your case, where you were explaining that you didn't even know until you were 19. Now, for someone that's trying to track down family members or, or anything like that, how difficult is that? Extremely difficult. It's not easy. Um, but there is places like adoption fines where you can go and, and sign up to, to see if your parents um, or any of your relatives have signed up to get you back and, and be re reunited. Um, some cases that may not even be the factor because child welfare also has a habit of telling the parents that their child is dead. <clears throat> and that way you're no longer looking for them because you think they're dead. Um, 
we've known some that have been placed like over in Europe that have been sold over to Europe. Um, but yeah, look through like, you know, different social medias. Um, <clears throat> most, um, most cities, no matter whether it's the States or, or Canada as like friendship centers or, you know, um, native stores that you can go into and start talking with the people there and explain your situation to them. Mm. And, you know, explain like, you're not there to like try and gain whatever you're just there because you want to come home and you want to reconnect with your family. Right. Um, because it is important. We need our people home. Enough of this is enough. No other nationality in the world goes through this that I'm aware of at present day. Right. Yeah, I've... yeah. I mean, this is this is really enlightening and but disturbing all at the same time. Um, that this sort of thing is still going on in in this day and age, and I I think that. Uh, I mean, we're just thankful you've, you've come on the show to explain your story. And I, I can, I can only imagine, I can't imagine, I can't imagine how difficult it is to, you know, what you it, I honestly have to say it was my culture, my spirituality that helped me mm. through it all, helped me to heal. Um, for a short time period, when I found out I was native, I hated anyone with light colored skin. Literally hated. Even though that's a strong word, but literally. Um, so I had to go through that time period where I had to remove that out of myself and heal myself from that. As well as heal myself from all the abuse that I went through. So that would be my strongest um, suggestion. I don't like to say advice, but my strongest suggestion. Anyone going through that, um, that I, like I have, um, to find your culture and your spirituality and go through healing that way. Um, it's very imperative that you do. Otherwise, it, it's not going to lead you down a road you're going to enjoy. You know, um, we're all stuck on this side of the earth at the moment. So we all got to try and get along. Yeah. And the closer we can start to look at each other as human beings, the better off we'll start to be. And also I want to pipe in real quickly. <laughs> if there's any big corporations out there that enjoy sponsorship, please sponsorship these young, these nice people and their program. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thank you. Had to do it. Had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that we really do try to do is try to reach out and, you know, help the ones that have gotten lost in and fell through the cracks as for lack of a better term. Um, and like you said, I mean, we're all on this earth together, so we got to help each other out. It's time to stop looking at the, 
at the curtain and you got to start looking behind the curtain it's stop it's time to stop throwing the cover over things you know and you got to see it for what it is face it and push on and i i really really appreciate you coming on and you know giving us a little bit of light into your story and you know if there's anybody it was an else honor out to be there here. So, thank you we really appreciate it you look you know, like you uh, were going to say something. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> oh, no, I was just, I was just thinking, you know, the whole concept uh, lost of, of, of Beyond Barriers is that when you're trapped behind this barrier and this wall and you've put it up yourself, you don't see the humanity of, of, the, of the so-called other, you know, and that's those of us that were involved in, you know, in the far right or other extreme movements, we, we had done that. We had done the dehumanization and, and, and uh, dehumanized others that weren't like us. And what we're hearing, you know, from your story here is this is something that's being done on a grand scale that's being done by people in power doing this in 2020, that this is still going on in a, in a modern nation that it's not like an obscure group, like something that, that uh, a lot of us were part of, but this is people in power that are making these decisions that are saying that yeah. this is okay. So um, this, I think is, is so incredibly important, your story. And, and uh, I can't, like I said, I can't imagine how hard it was uh, for you to explain uh, some of these things to us. And, and we are truly honored to have you on the program and, and um, salute your courage and your bravery for standing up for your people and, and for, uh, you know, putting this message out because it's it's so important. And, and uh, if there's anything we can do to help amplify you at, at any time, please uh, stay in touch. And, and, uh, and if I don't any- think we have that issue of staying in touch, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything else that uh, we can uh, cl- close on or anything else that you want to say to the to the public uh, please do so yeah some of the things i want to say and stress very carefully is be careful who you vote for because not every person that you put into politician spots is really there for you or is going to do the human thing very true. And in today's day and age, we need that. We need to be more careful of who we put in, who we vote for. Uh, in the same token, I know a lot of different sides of the political spectrum that keep talking about what they're going to do with this, this, this North America. I want to express there can be no conversation about what to do with North America unless you involve indigenous people. This is our land. Your guests. Treaties were made, even though a lot of them were broken. But treaties were made and they weren't broken. I want to clarify. The treaties were never broken on our side. Just so you can understand that. No, I don't. Well, you know, you might find maybe the small little few, but majority of us indigenous people aren't interested in sending you back on the Mayflower. We appreciate that. We're interested. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, 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 we're more interested in, in working together. Mm-hmm. 
to build a healthier world. Do you know what I mean? Together. Oh, yeah. So that's about my um, pre-second. <laughs> that's about it for my preaching. Um, All right. No, <laughs> Thank that's you. Good. Come on. We appreciate it, it very much.